Welcome to the Hillside Community Church Podcast. Wherever you're at in your faith, we hope this episode encourages you. If you enjoy the listen, let your friends know, and we'll catch you next time. That's the video we created way back when, when we started this thing. As you can see, some of those kids have graduated. They have kids of their own now. Uh, it's been that long. Uh, so as we kick off this ministry season, uh, it is really important for us to direct our attention a little bit to this uh, legacy campaign, which we've been in for almost two and a half years. Uh, the, the building that you see outside going up, our children's building, which is moving along nicely, uh, and we will probably be in that building, you know, God willing, uh, by March of 2021, which is pretty remarkable. Uh, Now, uh, if you're just sort of relatively maybe new to Hillside and you're not sure about what all that means, let me bring you all up to speed on a few things. Uh, This process of that building actually began about five years ago where we started to really seriously plan things. Uh, to invest in our children and in our future. I think I said almost every time we talked about legacy, I quoted uh, a line that I I read in Erwin McManus. He said, regarding the future, it's coming whether you like it or not. You can fight for the future. Uh, You can fight it or you can fight for it. And so we chose to fight for it. And that future, which we started fighting for back then, is actually here, right around the corner. And in less than six months, you know, we'll be in that building. We spent a lot of time looking at the book of Joshua, the nation of Israel, and the generations that wandered in that wilderness, who found it easier and safer to preserve the past then step into the future. The future is scary, especially if you see something you want to try to get to it. it it's scary at, on, on any level. So fighting for the future is a difficult task. And I will tell you, sometimes it's unbearable. And you never just stumble upon a preferable future. You never stumble upon it. You never drift into it. It requires calculated efforts and risks, great corporate and personal sacrifice, and of course the presence of God uh, has to be with us. And if you were not a part of that and you don't remember why we decided to do that, let me refresh your memory. Uh, We all wanted our kids to be in this facility with us. they have been in portables and in the, in the front building and here and spread out all over the place. We wanted to get them consolidated. It's a little safer. It's a little easier to maneuver on the campus to take care of the kids. So we wanted them all together. Two of the portables are gone. So if you've never seen those two back here, bless you. <laughs> bless you. We have two in the front. We're looking to, uh, to be gone as well. And 
and, I, and you'll understand why in a minute, but we want all the kids uh, to be here. That's kindergarten or preschool through sixth grade in that facility. So we also wanted to create space designed specifically for the way we disciple kids. Uh, the Discovery Zone over here, when that was originally built, that was designed for offices. It wasn't designed for kids. We've been using it the best we can as a children's space. But now we've got a, a full-blown facility designed to do exactly what we do with large and small group settings uh, to disciple the kids. I think you know that... Uh, the importance of an adequate and appropriate space to do what we're doing, because we don't just babysit kids so that the adults can have church. We build into their lives. We've integrated them into the mission of the church. What, the things that we care about as adults in here, mission-wise, all the way from the, the little ones all the way through high school are doing it as well. That, that includes missions and everything else. They all have their own missions that they're uh, sort of supporting, and so that's the way we do it. We even chose a few years back to write our own curriculum that fits with what we're trying to accomplish with kids. Along that line, we have a Wednesday night program that's been thriving for a number of years now. We have kids on waiting lists to get into that program, but we have to spread them out all over the place and in here and not especially ideal locations. But we'll be able to do that really well because that building's designed to do both what we do on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. So the new building will accommodate all of those things. And the long-term plans uh, to become more visible to our community with the portables gone, the front of this building here, which is not complete yet, but you'll see that that's going to actually be a front to the, to the road uh, a little better space. We still have people that come onto this property that don't know this building's back here, that, that drive by every day, don't know we're back here. And so, you know, we want a little more visibility. Eventually, there'll be four, a four-lane road out there. God only knows when that's going to happen. They keep telling us it's going to happen. We don't know when, but they're going to take our offices and everything else, uh, you know, when they take that easement. So that's an important factor, which I'll bring up in just a minute. Uh, so anyway, let me tell you where we are on, that, on this project. Originally, our goal uh, was $5 million. But I want you to see that it's changed to 5.15, with just $150,000 change. I'll explain that in just a second. That was our goal when we started that campaign two and a half years ago. Uh, we have actually collected of that that much to date in hand. That's pretty remarkable. That's remarkable, Hillside. Uh, you may not realize this, but you know, when we started this project, we had $2 million in hand. We needed $5 million. That's a little over a $7 million project. We have not borrowed one dime for it and don't intend to. Um, so, uh, with that said, that leaves us literally, I know you can do that math, that's what we need right now, between now and originally we were going to, you know, this campaign ends in March, 
March of 2021, about the time we get into the building. It was designed to do that. But with COVID and everything that's happened, you know, we, it's, it's appropriate to extend that out a little bit farther uh, because we've been, you know, many of us have been impacted by that, you know, in numerous ways. So uh, it makes sense to push that out a little bit. So you say, how are we going to get this? How are we going to get that million dollars? Well, let me just uh, tell you that. Half of this, a little over half of this, 550 is still out in promises. People are still giving to that. So uh, if there's any way you can finish your promise, that would be terrific. We started this campaign. We've gotten to this point, and it's amazing. We just need to finish. So if you can finish, please do. There are many of you who have finished your promise, and you still keep giving to it. Thank you for doing that. If you can keep doing it, that's the way to get that other $450,000 that we'll need to finish this thing. And to make up for some of us in here who, who were affected and, and, and had to postpone giving uh, to Legacy. Then, uh, you know, I know technically Gail and I commitment to, this, to Legacy will end in March. We're just going to do it through the end of the year. We're just going to keep going. Um, and if you, if you didn't join us, if you say, well, thank you for bringing me up to speed on legacy. I didn't have any idea what you were doing. Well, so glad you're here. <laughs> Maybe you could help us if you could help us to finish this because we're probably going to need some extra hands in this uh, to, to get to this point. So I hope you'll do that. At this point right here, whether you promised, you didn't promise, you might have promised, you gave without a promise, you kept giving whether after your promise, doesn't matter. At this point, let's just get a million dollars however we can get it. Amen to that? Let's just get it however we can get it. So, I don't want to confuse you. Just need a million dollars. Now, let me tell you what that's going to get us. Because it's getting us more than what we thought we were getting when we first started this thing two and a half years ago. Uh, we were, if you remember this correctly, we were just going to have the bottom floor done and the second floor was going to be a shell. And, but the promises came in and funds came in. We were able to commit to our construction crew, go ahead and do the second floor. So we will have the second floor done at the same time in March. Now, that's a, I can't tell you how big of a thing that is because we didn't want, it would cost more money to come back and do it later. We didn't want to have to do that. Uh, the second thing that's going to happen is uh, with that same million dollars, in that same million dollars is a, is, a, is a renovation of the Discovery Zone to be the offices for our staff, which we have operated on this campus without uh, really good office space since we've been on it. And so it's going to remodel that as well, as well as let us, we, we, we just simply can't forget that we got to pay the mortgage on this building uh, every month as well. And out of that, out of all of our building funds comes the mortgage payment for this building as well. That million dollars will get us through all of 2021 mortgage wise. It will get us through, uh, it'll get us the office remodel and two floors. That's pretty remarkable. Uh, more than I can even say. Uh, 
you know, the office space is important because they're going to be taking that. Eventually, they're going to take what we're, so we have to do it. Plus, we're just desperate for it. Our staff just, just needs the space. So, today, you're going to get an opportunity to walk through that building. If you have not done that, uh, this is an opportunity to do that. Don't know how many opportunities we'll have in the future uh, uh, for you to walk through the building. I hope you'll get in there. Because you'll be amazed, it's 23,000 square feet, and so much thought has gone into that building, you'll recognize that immediately. So we'd love for you to go in, leave a mark, literally write on the floors the name of a child, perhaps a verse, something you're praying for. Um, We did that with our leaders. You can see a couple of, I just have a couple of shots of them going through on our leadership kickoff a few weeks back. Uh, they got to do that, and it's really cool. You'll walk in there and see some of the stuff that they've done. Uh, the reason this is important is there's nothing sacred in itself in any of that building. We didn't build the building for a building. There's nothing sacred about the space. It's a tool. What's sacred is when we're in it, when our kids are in it and we're doing in there what God intends us to do. Leave the legacy. Pass the legacy on. Um, so when God's people fill that space and, be, and, and become the church and realize that the, people, the kids in that church are going to be the next generation of leaders, uh, that's what's sacred. So when we go in there, that's what you're praying for. Um, Now, a slight shift. About to start a new series, which will really launch next week, called The People of God. Because I've had this unmistakable impression uh, to tease out what that looks like and means for us Not just for this fall, Hillside, I have the next decade in my mind when I go into this series, literally the next decade in in our minds. Um, And it's really created some hope and some uh, wonder for us as a body in me, a renewed vision and passion for who the church is to be. And it's not completely unrelated to the building project. Because God has his own spiritual building project with us. And it's filled, as you'll see, with little ones. He's got his own special building project for little ones. And that means that the building that's going on out there is a great visual for what God wants to do in our entire congregation, in our entire body. Together, uh, corporately, and why that's critical for the world, especially the one we live in today, which I want to address in this series. So what I want to do just to wrap this up is give you a very high-level view of what we're going to touch upon in First Peter next week. So this is just a high-level view, and all I want to do is touch upon two metaphors, just two metaphors, to sort of tease out what we're talking about here. So in 1 Peter 2, the two metaphors are infants 
and living stones. So let's look at it together. Yearn like newborn infants for pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow to salvation. And then here's the next, uh, or then he says, if you have experienced or literally tasted the Lord's kindness. The second image is, so as you come to him, this is the next verse, a living stone rejected by men but chosen and precious in God's sight, you yourselves as living stones are built up as a spiritual house to be holy, to be a holy priesthood, and to offer sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Uh, profound imagery here. The linking together of this infants and living stones to describe us. It, it's God's building us as living stones, and we're supposed to be infants. It's almost God's children's building program. Do you see that? It's right there in the text. Hit me right in the eyes. Right between the eyes. Not in the eyes. Between the eyes. So these are very two, this is really interesting metaphors to mix. That drive home, by the way, they drive home certain spiritual realities that need to be true about us. That have to do with our identity. You know, how we see ourselves. What we're doing. What are we supposed to be doing together. And then how are we to impact the world around us? Which in the culture that we live in now, we need to learn how to do that almost all over again. Like I've needed to learn how to do that all over again. As if I've never known. First Peter 2 will help us. So God has this sort of spiritual children's building going up. So that in the two images, we're not only the infants, the the ones who fill the space were the living stones and we are the space. We're the space and the people in the space doing the activity. That's God's vision for us. Now you say, what does that imagery drive home? Well, let's start with the living stones. Let's start with this sort of the metaphorical space. The living stones is paradoxical already. Stones are dead, they don't move. These are stones that are alive, they're active, they're describing us. And it's plural, it's corporate. So none of this is just about you. It's about you as a stone next to other stones and who you're becoming together. So it's a corporate space. So this is a metaphorical space that pictures a true reality that should materialize in the world that people can see even though it's not a physical building. So, we're sort of this spiritual house. And as living stones together, we're, there's this interactive, interpersonal dynamic going on. And that interactive dynamic creates a spiritual house that contains us if you will. It's something extremely sacred and holy. Look at the language. And this is just the beginning. We haven't even started. Like priesthood and spiritual sacrifices. <laughs> Which sort of translates into when we get together, when we get together, like we are now, 
Uh, Everything we do, our connections, our conversations, serving, loving, giving, caring. Do Do you know how much effort goes in to make this happen on a Sunday morning? We all benefit from everybody's part. And to God, what we're all doing together is a really holy, sacred thing. More holy and sacred than we realize because a lot of what we do is so rote. It's every seven days. We're so used to doing it. It's so, it becomes kind of mundane, second nature. We forget how holy it is, how much God loves it. When we act together, which is the picture here. And what happens when we act together and do that, just our very presence here, literally our very presence here, the fact that you got in your car and drove here, and the fact that everyone driving by now sees it, and the neighborhoods around us see it, is a beautiful picture to God of what happens that something becomes visible to the world even though it's not a physical space. The same way that thing is a physical space you can see, what we're doing in here is a, physic, is a material thing. It's real. It's as real as that building right there. But it's not made of physical things. So it's real and it's tangible. It's visible. It's spiritual. It's attractive. It should be attractive. And so here's the question you should ask this morning. About that, am I a living stone? Am I a dead stone? Uh, What's my place in this spiritual place? Just ask the question. We got a series to answer it. Just ask it. That's the first one. The second image has to do with the infants. The newborns. Yearn like newborn infants. I want to say a few things about this. Profound image. Um, So at the end of chapter one, and we'll get into this later, he says, we've been born again. We we are uh, born anew by the word of God, a seed planted inside of us. We sort of grow into this newborn reality. Now, most of the time when we think of being born again, this is really powerful. We think about what God has done on the inside of each of us. I have been born again. Peter has a corporate image. He's a little less concerned about what's happened in you than what you have become a part of. You have been born again into something. Not that born again into you, even though that has happened. Peter's emphasis is what you've been born into that creates a whole new life for you, all right? Very similar to an infant. So from that born again into this new sort of church, people of God, corporate entity, living stones, uh, you become this, is a new birth. It's a whole new life. It's a whole new way of doing life. Okay, it's the people of God. So the new birth for Peter is new birth into being the people of God. Now, then he says, I want you to be 
speaking of new birth, just like a baby. I want you to just be big babies, infants. What do you mean by that, Peter? Well, I want you to crave, yearn, long for. This is a very intense word. Pure spiritual milk. Things that come with that new life you've been giving. You've been given. So uh, if we're going to look at these terms right here, which I just want to do very, very quickly, just so that you can see what we're talking about here, we will develop this theme and get practical and specific later. I just want you to have the overarching idea in your head. So this is sort of the order that the words come in in the text itself. Spiritual comes first, then pure, and then milk. I want, you to tell, I, want you to, I want you to know what each one of these has to do because if you're an infant, if God intends for you to see yourself as an infant, what does that mean? Well, the first one is this word here, and we, we sort of translate the term that's here, which is a very rare word. It's not the word for spiritual. It's more the word for logical. The word is logicon. And it has the idea of the appropriate kind of food It has more the idea of the appropriate kinds of things that you would need in order to grow in the new life that you've been given. That's all, that's the idea. So when you are born into this people of God, there's a certain kind of thing you have to feed on. It's the kind of stuff that you're feeding on. We say spiritual because it's the best way to say it, but it's really broader, just what you would want to feed a person who's been born into the people of God. That's the idea. And then pure has the idea of um, there is a kind of moral purity that when you feed on the kind of food that's going to happen to you. It's a transforming kind of pure. Now, the reason we know that, and I'll tease this out for you next week, is because some of the other terms and the background, which I'm not giving you today, because we're just focusing on the metaphors. That this has to do with the, the new life that comes. So when you feed on this new stuff that's appropriate to the new people of God, you become something. You're transformed into something purer than you've ever been before God. Milk is just the sustenance. It's the thing. Because he's speaking of infants. So he's saying an infant would want milk. What I want for you, as the people of God have been into this, become this new thing, is I want you to desire anything and everything that turns you into the person that I want to transform you into. That's what I want for you. Now, a lot of times we interpret this to be the Bible and Scripture. That's, that's not what Peter has in mind here. The Word of God in the end of chapter one, is the thing that saved you. It's the thing that made you alive. It's the thing that made you come alive. Now, you've got to to stay alive, and that's anything and everything, and I'm going to focus it on a person. It ends up being anything that helps me be more like Christ, that helps me become the living stone that he's turning me into, this building, this space. Infants, crave this kind of sustenance. 
Now, let me see if I can summarize what I just said to you. So with the new birth, we become the people of God. With that comes these natural, regular, intense longings for anything and everything that would turn me into what God wants me to be as it's defined by Peter in 1 Peter. So I have these new impulses. It's it's as though I have a new life. Okay? You say, wow, where do I get that hunger? Well, Peter says it at the end of verse 3. He says, assuming, this is a great way to... uh, uh, You say, man, I'd like to have that hunger. Peter says, assuming, that's essentially what this idea means, assuming that you have tasted of the Lord's kindness. If you've gotten a taste of what it means to know him, if you've gotten a taste of what it means to have him in your life, to have been given grace, if you've tasted that, then you need to know, baby, there's a whole lot more to come. Stay hungry. You see that? Stay hungry. That's what the image and the metaphor suggest. So if you've lost your spiritual appetite, First Peter's for you. If that, and, and let me tell you, in our culture today, that appetite can be driven away by lots of different things. Tons of things can force you to lose that appetite. And what God's about to say is, I need people who understand what they've become to not lose their craving, because if they don't lose their craving, they'll be the people that I want them to be, and they'll impact the world the way I want them to impact the world. That's essentially what he's saying. Now, here's the beautiful, it's something that I really love. This has been driven home to me over the last few weeks, actually the last months, because I have a baby living in my house, a granddaughter living in my house. Uh, For the last five months, my son and his wife and granddaughter are living with us. And uh, I have a picture, because I've learned that's what grandparents do. They show pictures. This is the little peanut that lives in the house with us, okay? She pretty much runs the house. Um, So this little uh, darling, um, there is nothing, I've noticed, I mean, all all that happens to babies, men are pretty much useless in this whole stage of reality, and there's just nothing, there's just nothing like the no-nonsense single craving for milk from this child uh, over the last few months that we've seen. Just a one-track mind, disrupt, not afraid to disrupt anything you're doing to get it. Not afraid to disrupt anything. Peace has been disrupted. Uh, um, Sleep has been disrupted. There's, There's nothing she's afraid of disrupting to get it. Okay, think about that. In this image that God is asking us to be, saying we should be. Uh, 
The, the last vivid image just a couple of weeks ago, because we've started here over the last couple of months, they've started giving her different foods, just a few little tastes of different things she's getting. Um, and uh, I've seen Gail Holder and Marion Feeder. And you can't, the, the time gap between one scoop and the next scoop is way too long for this child. Legs are kicking, noises are being made. And it is the funniest thing. I mean, you just can't get it in there fast enough. The craving is so terrific. And so uh, you just keep thinking to yourself, and I know because this text has been in my head, I've been thinking to myself, she has no idea. She's got tastes of little things, but does she realize what's coming? I mean, there's a lot of things that are coming. And it's like, boy, don't ever lose that hunger because there's going to be a lot of great things to taste. That's where she's at right here. And Peter is saying, this is what I want you to be. And here's something beautiful. I'm going I'm to wrap up first Peter for today with this thought for you that is so fantastic. Uh, because Peter's going to say, because I want you to know, first, living stones, what's happening to them is they're being built. That's the imagery for that metaphor. You're being built into something. Newborn babies are growing into something. This is the reason Peter brings these two metaphors together because there's this constant growth that needs to be happening and there's constant building that needs to be happening. You never stop. The legacy campaign will stop. God's building project in here is never gonna stop. It's ongoing campaign to continually transform us. And so we're growing. And look, look at what it says. Look at this line right here. Grow up to salvation. Say, so wait a minute. Didn't, Peter, didn't you just say we were already saved, Peter? Didn't you just say we were born again into the people of God? Now we're growing into salvation? What could this word mean? What does this dynamic mean? Because here's what you would have expected. I know you would have expected this. I would have expected this. I want you to go from being an infant to being what? A mature adult. Peter doesn't use the word maturity like Ephesians does. Growing up into an, a, 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 a full stature is the imagery Ephesians uses. He says, unto salvation. Now you gotta tease out what salvation means in 1 Peter because it's very important to understanding the book. It's used multiple times. And it typically has a futuristic, an eschatological picture, something we're all heading toward. That salvation is not just something you get when you're saved, you know, that happens one time to you. It's the kind of thing that you grow into. So in Peter, it has the idea of deliverance and vindication and ultimate salvation. We'll tease that out. I, I want you to know what it means. But for now... You're growing towards that. So the growing, whatever it is, is you're already becoming what Peter sees you ultimately being. Just keep that imagery in your head. Now, with that said, here's the idea. Because Peter doesn't use maturity here, he's saying in Peter's mind, he never wants you to grow out of the infant craving. I never want you to stop being an infant. You're going to grow, but I never want the cravings to stop. I don't want your cravings 
to go away. I don't want you to ever grow up. I want you to continue to desire anything and everything that makes you into what I want you to be in this community. You never grow out of it. You're newborns forever in this sense. He's not saying stay immature. He's not saying stay small. He's not saying stay innocent. Just don't stop that instinctive, inevitable longing to be the church, the people of God that I'm asking you to be. So this series is about us potentially getting back both of these things. And for the next decade, I want it on our heads. What are we craving together? And are we becoming that as living stones? Infants and living stones. And I want to say to our online audience, there are many of you staying home because it's, 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 it's the right thing for you to do in terms of health. There are some of you staying home because you've gotten lazy. I know, you're sitting there right there in fuzzy pajamas right now. And I'm asking you to come back because the challenge that I have for us, I want us to be together. We're going to need to be together as much as we possibly can in order to in order to experience it. So if you can be here, please be here. So it turns out that our legacy campaign mirrors what God is doing with us and for us. We want to invest in our kids. We want them to have a spiritual appetite. We've put up a space for them to get it. God's saying, I'm doing the same thing. You want that space, Pete, to provide some kind of visual for the community? I want you as a church body, of, of children, infants, with a desire and a craving for spiritual things to turn into the people that I want you to be, to materialize into some actual, real, non-material space that people are drawn to and want to be a part of. That's the challenge for us. Uh, and God, what we're doing there, physically, God wants to do in here. So this past week, uh, Marion, uh, my daughter-in-law, brought Maya, that's her name, I didn't say her name, Maya Jane, uh, to church for the first time. Uh, it was this week to go to Bible study, and I think they're here this morning for the first time. So Maya is here for the very first time. And you know, you're a grandparent, you, you see the world a little bit differently when you look at your family now, now that you have a grandparent in there, or now that you have a grandchild in there. And so... Um, it was so incredible. Well, I know we couldn't all wait to get home at the end of the day to find out how it went, Maya's first day at Hillside. And I couldn't wait for her to meet the people who love kids around here, because we have people who love kids. Do you know that? Do you know that we have people around here who just love kids, and when they grab a hold of them, they're, they're, they're potentially going to steal them? Do you know that we have people like that? <laughs> I mean, we've got some serious problems. And so... Uh, we wanted to know, because I know that for the next who knows how many years, those people are going to be in her life influencing her. She's going to be in that building. She's going to grow in that building. That's an incredible thing. And you, as a parent, you, you, a grandparent, you want that child to, to long for the things that are going to be taught in there. I can see why God 
doesn't want us to stop being infants. So uh, Cody and I were talking about this as we were planning this service. Um, and I said, you know, your son's turning, your son just turned one. Lincoln just turned one, and we were talking about Lincoln's going to be in that building, and we have a number of other kids in here who are anticipating being in that building. This is Lincoln, uh, Cody's child, and figured if I put my child, grandchild up, I had to put Cody's kid up too, because we were talking about him. And so, uh, and then it struck me, something else struck me very, very powerfully, like another huge issue, is how are we going to keep this boy away from Maya? I told Cody, this is not a singles ministry we're building over there. <laughs> now, let me ask you something, because we have a lot of kids in here. How many of you would say you have either a child, a grandchild, or a great-grandchild that's going to be in that building? Right there, let me see your hands. How many of you know a child you'd like to see in that <laughs> building? You know, you have a family or friends, somebody say, well, I would love for their kids to be in here. That's the reason we're doing it. That is the reason we're doing it. That's what legacy is all about. Um, today you get to walk in there, write something down. Maybe it's just the name of somebody you're praying for. How great would it be? You know, when we built this building, right before, this is 2000, this would have been 2008 sometime. We all stood around the foundation of this building and threw rocks in with names of people that we were praying for. And over the last 12, 13 years, we've said to each other, hey, that name I threw in there, they're here today. Uh, some of them are coming to our church right now. They wouldn't even, didn't even know we were here. We want to do the same thing with names on the floor of that building because that's what matters the most. So I hope you'll be a part of that today. You're going to get instructions for that in just a minute, but let me pray for you. Hope your appetite is wet. Pardon the metaphor for what is in store from 1 Peter. Let's pray. Um, Father, I'm asking for your blessing uh, on this space that we're building outside. Uh, provide what we need as you have up to now to finish this project. And help each of us join the fight for our future. And I pray not just for that building, Lord. I pray for us as a, as a whole body. Because you're building us into this very, very special people of yours. I pray you'll give us an appetite. Create a hunger in us. To be the, this, this building you're describing. that not only honors you, it's sacred to you, but impacts the world. That's what we're here for. That's our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.